today our reading is from Luke 5, 17 to 20. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Good morning. Um, please join me in a, in a word of prayer before we begin. Dear Lord God, we lift up this time to you, God. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be filling this place and doing incredible and mighty works, God. Right now, I particularly want to lift up um, our dear friend Robin's aunt, Sierra, who is uh, suffering from dementia. Lord God, I pray for healing for her. Lord, and for peace as well. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right. I'm going to ask a question, and I would like you to audibly respond to me. So people shout out your answers, right? I'll try to pick them out if I can hear them. My question is, if you could travel to any time, any time throughout history, in the future, any time, what would your choice be? Where would you go if, there, if time travel were available to you? Anybody? Any answers? The millennium. What, what is it? <laughs> you can choose whatever you want in this game. <laughs> 1700s, okay? After World War II, 1960s? 1775? Today? There's always one. <laughs> All right. Uh, for me, I, I've always been um, interested in history and, and American history. I and mean, the World War II has always um, been something that uh, I've studied a lot and watched a lot of documentaries about. That's the, that's the time frame that, that I would want to go to. But this week, I learned about two people who were able to travel to, through time. Or at least that was their claim. Al Belak and his brother Cameron Duncan were scientists in 1943, and they worked aboard a naval ship, um, top secret naval ship. And this ship was alleged to be able to become invisible and teleport around the globe. I'm sure that the United States military was, would be very happy if people believed that that was, <laughs> that was able, uh, able to happen. While on this ship, these two brothers jumped off, and they claimed to have traveled through time to the year 2137. They told stories of what the future was like and how they traveled back through a wormhole. Very interesting stuff. I find their story a little questionable, but it got me thinking about time travel. Um, one of the reasons that I thought about the time during World War II is because it feels like there's an opportunity to, to make a real change, change the course of history. 
can you imagine to going back to 1930s Germany and how you would be so um, you'd be so intent and the urgency would be incredible to try to deliver a message to any Jewish person you could find in Germany, right? Listen, you need to get out of here. Bad stuff is coming, okay? And maybe they would say, who are you? What's this thing that you keep looking at, right? Like, you know, it, it might be very difficult, but no matter what, your message to them would be, you need to get out of your country. You need to leave now. Death and destruction are coming. Right? Would you just watch as they walked by? Would you become disheartened if people ignored you? Would you give up because you didn't know just the right way to say it? Or even because you didn't know their language? Or would you fight as hard as you could and figure out anything that you could to make sure that these people would leave because you knew you had the knowledge of what was coming? Last week, we talked about living intentionally. We said that God's purpose for all of us is to love him and to love people. And we talked about how that involves activity and an eternal mindset. Well, today we're going to talk about the most important and obvious way that you can fulfill the commandment to love others intentionally. And that's evangelism. Evangelism is spreading the good news of Jesus Christ through preaching or personal witness. Evangelism, witnessing, sharing your faith, these are all kind of like uh, words that Christians use to describe telling other people about Jesus, who he is, what he's done in your life, and what he offers to other people. Well, through the passage that we read in Luke this morning, we're going to see how a group of friends acted with urgency, brought their friend to Jesus, persevered, and were full of faith as an example to us. And we'll see what, happened when love, what happens when love speaks. So the first thing they did was they acted with urgency. We look at this story, and it says, uh, one day while Jesus was teaching, some men came and carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, and they tried to take him inside to Jesus. It was evident, based on what they did next, how urgent they believed this situation to be. It says they couldn't reach him because of the crowd, so they went up to the roof and took off some tiles and lowered him through. Even just when Tracy was reading it this morning, I was just like laughing. This is, this is a ridiculous thing to do. Sometimes in my mind, I think of like, oh, third world countries or really old times. Well, you know, Maybe it was just normal that they started ripping apart somebody else's roof, right? No, this is crazy. This is nuts what they did. And the reason why is because it was urgent. This man was paralyzed, right? He's hurting. He's unable to provide for himself, for his family, and in need of healing. You know, Jesus did a lot of traveling from time to time. Maybe these friends thought, this might be my only chance. He's here. I need to get to him now. There was, they were urgent in getting their friend to Jesus one way or another. If you were to go back to Germany in that time, if you were to see Jewish people walking around, your urgency would be 
tremendous because you know what's coming, right? Well, as Christians, we know what's coming. If you read through the Bible, you see Jesus says there will come a time. In Acts 17, he says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance in all to all by raising him from the dead. You see, he gives you assurance, right? But there will be a judgment. And he says, now is the time to repent. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We talked about being an ambassador last week. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. He offers you this gift. You see, we're all, we all come into this world, and we're at odds with God. We all have in this issue of sin. We've all done something wrong. But he offers us a new life. He offers this reconciliation to us. He says, we beg you not to accept this gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. But today is the day of salvation. Right now. And I beg you, please, if you sit here this morning and you say, okay, this is good. Those new people need to hear this, <laughs> right? I beg you, please, don't. I want you to listen to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You see, there are people right now. There, there might be people in this room right now who believe that they're doing the right thing who believe that they got the answers. But what does he say? On that day, many will say to me, not just a few, but many. You see, there's an urgency. This is not something to be taken lightly. This man's friends 
understood the urgency. It's not just because of a time crunch. Sometimes we'll say, you know, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know if we have tomorrow, which is absolutely true. And that is part of the urgency. I look out here this morning, and we'd be hard-pressed for any one of you to tell me that you don't know that based on something that's happened in your life. We've lost people. We've seen people gone like that. And that is part of the urgency. But there's more than that. The urgency is because of how important the message is. You see, there's an eternity of pain and emptiness or an eternity of loving satisfaction with God. It's so important. In 2 Corinthians 5.11, it says, Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. We work hard to persuade others because we understand of our, our responsibility. Our responsibility, it's often called the Great Commission. It's found in Matthew 28, 18-20. And the command is to go out and make disciples, to baptize and teach others to observe Christ's commands. Last week we talked about intentional actions and reflecting on our day ahead or the day that just passed. In that time, are we looking for opportunities to share Jesus? Are we looking for who we're going to talk to today? Are we looking back? Who, who did, where did I miss something? During our day, are we looking for chances, for opportunities to talk about Jesus? Listen to Romans chapter 10. It's, this is some of verses 10 to 17. It says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When we talked about today is the day of salvation, today, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. This is an incredibly logical argument by Paul. He's saying, salvation is when you believe on Jesus Christ and that God has raised him from the dead. Okay, so how is somebody supposed to believe if they haven't even heard of Jesus, Right? And how is somebody supposed to hear if nobody's telling them? This is very logical, right? If you have a message to deliver to me, Mark, personally, please do not make it a subtle message. Please do not try to hint at something. I am not going to pick it up. <laughs> I also make the same promise to you that I will not try to hint at something. I fail miserably at that. Some of you may be really good at picking up on cues. That is not me. You need to tell me and slap me in the face, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Someone has to be telling people about Jesus Christ. 
they're not just going to figure it out on their own, right? What's being preached? Faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Not only does a loving friend act with urgency, but they also bring their friends to Jesus. You see, this paralytic man that we read about this morning, he was unable to come to Jesus on his own. But he was fortunate. He had four friends who brought him there. These four friends are examples to us of how to minister to one another and help needy sinners come to their Savior. They didn't spend all their time talking about how great Jesus was. They didn't just tell him what he could do, right? They actually brought the sick man to Jesus. There's a famous evangelist, Dr. Wilbur Chapman. He said this, the New Testament records, records, I did that before too. The New Testament records tell of 40 people, each suffering from the same disease, who were healed by Jesus. Of this number, 34 were either brought to Jesus by friends or he was taken to them. In only six cases out of 40 did the sufferers find their way to Jesus without assistance. Of the vast majority of people who find their way to Jesus today, most of them reach him because the friends of Jesus are concerned with the welfare of their souls. All the terms that we see, witness, sharing, our faith, evangelism, all we're doing is telling people what Jesus has done in our life. We're sharing our story and telling them what he can do in theirs. What has he done for you? You might think, I don't have like this big conversion story where God took me from the depths of um, drugs or alcohol or any number of things. Maybe you don't have that. But maybe there's a time when Jesus made himself real to you. I sure hope so. Maybe that's your story. Maybe that's what you can share. You see, living by your actions and caring for people is incredibly important. The Bible says that they'll know our, we are Christians by our love. If I go out of my way to love a coworker or a friend at school or a family member in a big way, that's going to be huge. It's going to be helpful. Um, they might see something different in me. But that won't make them know Jesus Christ. Maybe they'll ask why we're different, and we can say it's because of Jesus. But at some point, Jesus has to come up. If not, you're just being a nice person, which is good, and it's helpful. But we're called to more than that. It says, by the name of Jesus people will be saved. It's not by being a better person or by coming to church. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you confess with your mouth, these are the things that save you. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul talks about how he and his friend Apollos were sharing their faith. And he gives this example of um, planting the seed and watering. And, um, you know, throughout the Bible, we see things like reaping and sowing. A lot of these planting analogies are used. And the idea is that, um, you know, it's kind of a journey for someone to come to faith. And pe different people along the way play a different part in this journey. But unfortunately, many people believe that they're just planters. 
That's their only job. Their only job is to maybe plant the seed of doing something good and caring for someone. Some people say, I'll leave it to the professionals to talk about Jesus. Right? That's not what Jesus calls us to. He says it's for everyone to make disciples. In the, the Great Commission, he, says, he was speaking to all of us. We're all supposed to go out and preach Jesus. There's a common misconception that maybe you have to memorize a formula to impose on a victim. Or that, uh, you know, that if I don't have the, the words just right, then it's just not going to work. Well, Jesus never gave the gospel in the same way. It depended on who he was talking to. It's not a mechanistic approach. The message itself was the, sp- was the same, but he spread it in different ways. We don't have to memorize a script. And we aren't simply trying to get people to believe a set of facts about Jesus. We're trying to introduce them to him. I won't do a show of hands. That could be a little embarrassing. Uh, have you ever been set up on a blind date before? I find the whole thing fairly awkward. <laughs> the idea behind it is someone, of a matchmaker, so to speak, uh, that knows uh, both people, believes that they would be a good couple. And the point isn't for the two people to learn that there is someone out there who might be good for them. Or even for them to understand that they have similar interests and think, yeah, this could be good. Even if the the matchmaker convinces them of the idea, that's not where it ends. Eventually, you introduce them to one another. They get to know one another. In the same way as Christians who know Jesus, our job isn't just to talk about Jesus and tell someone all about him, right? That's an important part of the process, but at some point, you need to introduce them. I was listening to an evangelist who trains uh, leaders of small groups. And he said one thing that he stresses over and over for those who are leading a group of people who maybe don't know Jesus is getting them to pray for the first time. Maybe tell them to say, God, if you're real, please show up. Many times we try to get people to understand faith in Jesus, but we need to get them to experience it as well. Introduce them to Jesus. Invite them to pray. Maybe say, over the next 10 days, pray at least once a day. Be bold. See what God does. You know, sometimes we talk about how God's the one that that does the work. And let him do it. Introduce people to Jesus. Ask them to pray. It might be awkward at first, but, you know, encourage them in this because he's the one who's going to do it. The loving friends from Luke urgently brought their sick friend to Jesus, but more than that, they persevered when they came against opposition. You see, this group attempted to carry the man to Jesus, but the crowds, they wouldn't let him in, right? They persevered. Nothing, not even this crowd, would stop them from getting in. They climbed to the roof and tore it apart to lower the man through a hole. Nuts. It's crazy. They understood the urgency of the situation, but nothing would stop them from bringing their friend to Jesus. And they had a pretty good excuse. My assumption, based on what they did, 
is that they didn't just look and say, that's a lot of people. We've got to go up on the roof. Right? My assumption is they tried to get in and failed. They made many attempts that were unsuccessful, but they didn't allow that to stop them. They didn't allow their failure or those excuses to prevent them from bringing, Jesus, bringing their friend to Jesus. They persevered. We're pretty good at coming up with excuses, right? There's a lot of reasons that we can come up with for why we shouldn't talk about Jesus. Some common excuses that maybe I've even used or I've seen that other people have used. Uh, people won't want to hear about Jesus. It's probably not going to work. This person doesn't. They told me they'll never listen to Jesus. This could cause problems for me at my work. There's just other stuff that I need to get done. I don't really know anybody who's not a Christian. Let's look at some of these. People probably won't want to hear, or, or it probably won't work. Why do we think that we would respond to the gospel, but somebody else wouldn't? Think of the types of people who have been converted throughout history. The Bible says, when you believe in Jesus and confess him as your Lord, what did it say before? You go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. This, by nature, is a wild, surprising event. This is crazy. To go from being dead to being alive, that should encourage us. It was just as crazy when it happened to you as it would be for anyone else. There's a radical, surprising nature of conversion that should encourage us to share it and be bold with people. If you're worried about causing problems at work or at school, maybe get to know people outside of work. Spend time with them. You can share Jesus there. If there's other things that are more important in your life, then remember the urgency we talked about earlier. And if you say, I don't really know people who aren't Christians, well, then go find some. <laughs> More often than not, I think that we just aren't thinking about people that we know. But if it's true, then you need to go meet people. Jesus went and found the woman at the well. Intentionally. There are other examples of him going and finding people. I believe there's a real trend, not just in Christianity, but in culture, to isolate from one another, right? Listen to this. Uh, listen to how one Bible teacher put it. Inflamed isolationism has people sticking in their common belief circles, which is deteriorating the power of conversation. Inflamed isolationism. This means that we're separating from one another, or at least from people who don't believe like us. A real prime example of this is going to be happening a lot this year, right? <laughs> the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, right? The lines are drawn, and there's so many voices out there. There's so much media that you can choose to only read things from the political party that you are a part of. You isolate. You only learn things from a specific group of people, right? 
we don't need to watch, you know, if, if we're maybe more of a Republican mindset, then we watch Fox News, and that's where we get our news, and we go to the certain websites that we go to because we don't want to hear other things. And if we're in the Democratic side, maybe we go to MSNBC, that's all we watch, and we know what websites we should go to to hear what other people who think like me think. We need to be intentional about counteracting that culture by listening to people with other belief systems, spending time with them, listen to them, and share what you believe. If we say our faith is the most important thing to us, then how come our actions often don't reflect that? Another thing we sometimes fear is, what will people think of me? If I go to share Jesus, are they going to make fun of me? Are they going to think I'm like an extremist? You know, 60% of Americans believe that sharing your faith is a form of extremism. There's a prophet named Jeremiah in the Old Testament. And God used him to speak to people and speak, his, speak God's word to those around him. And he experienced this very thing. Listen to what he said after being frustrated with how sharing the word of God had been a burden to his life. Oh, Lord, you misled me, and I allowed myself to be misled. You're stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. Now I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out. Violence and destruction, I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Jeremiah persevered. He was, his friends around him called him the man who lives in terror. That was his nickname, <laughs> right? They were hoping that he would fail because of the message that he was bringing. But he persevered. He was mocked and made fun of. But he didn't give up because of the power of the word of God. He said, I can't hold it in anymore. Is that how much power? It's, I'll be honest with you. That's not how much power it has in my life. There are times that I hold it in. And I don't share it. He says, I can't. I can't hold it in. He came to the conclusion that it was worse to not tell what God had to say than it was to tell it. He believed the power of God's word. Why was he able to persevere? Why were those friends from Luke 5 able to persevere and cut a hole in the roof to lower the man in to meet Jesus? Because they were full of faith. This story from Luke is also found in Matthew and Mark. I read all three versions of the story. I read in a lot of translations, all three versions, because there was a word that really kept tripping me up. In verse 20, it says, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. 
I really, really wanted to find somewhere that said, seeing his faith. Because you see, if it was just the man who had faith, and that's why his sin was forgiven. Okay, I get it. But this word here, seeing their faith, that means that there's a responsibility. That means there's a responsibility to us. It was more than just him, but his friend's faith played a part in his sins being forgiven. Our faith plays a part in the lives of those around us. This makes sense. Look at some of the excuses that we gave before. Oh, they probably won't care. Or it's probably not going to make a difference in that person's life. If that's how we live, if that's the faith that we have, then we're not going to tell people about Jesus. But if we do have faith that God can do amazing things and change people's lives, if we believe that, then we'll talk about him. If we believe that it can make a difference, then we won't be able to keep our mouths shut like Jeremiah. The faith of the group not only physically healed the man, which we would see later in the passage, Jesus says, um, stand up and walk. Pick up your mat and go home. He healed him. But also, at the beginning, it says, young man, your sins are forgiven. Because of that faith, his sins were forgiven. Listen to what James says in chapter 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over the, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and brings someone back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. In Hebrews, we learn that faith is what our hope is built on, and it's the evidence of things that we haven't seen yet. Maybe you haven't seen your wife or your husband or your parent come to faith yet. You haven't seen their life change because of Christ. Maybe you feel burnt out and burdened by this, like Jeremiah did. Have faith. Have faith that Jesus can change, and not simply because it will make you feel better, which it will. But have faith because that faith can make a difference. It will help. We might not see the fruit of it ourselves, and it might not happen on our time. But that faith will have an impact. It will cause us to persevere through the trials, like the friends in Luke. Listen to what David Kinnaman of the Barna Group said. Cultivating deep, steady, resilient Christian conviction is difficult in a world of you do you and don't criticize anyone's life choices and emotivism, this feeling first priority that our culture makes a way of life. As much as ever, evangelism isn't just about saving the unsaved, but reminding ourselves that this stuff matters, that the Bible is trustworthy and that Jesus changes everything. 
That will be what impacts our actions. That will be what helps us to share. And that's what the friends in Luke believed, that Jesus changes everything. Their urgency led them to bring their friend to Jesus, even though they faced obstacles. They had faith that if they could just get him there, Jesus would do something amazing. Has Jesus done something in your life? Has he changed you from being dead to being alive? If he hasn't, I would love to talk to you about it. But even more than that, I would love for you to talk to him. Pray. Ask him, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. And see what he does. If he has changed your life, if you are alive, are you introducing him to your friends? Do you struggle with one of these areas of urgency or bringing your friends to Jesus, persevering or faith? Ask him for help. He will give it to you. Grow your faith in him so it impacts those around you. Please join me in prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we're grateful. Grateful that you take spiritually dead people and make them new. That you do this work, Lord. That we can put it at your feet. God, I pray right now, if there's anyone here this morning, that you would be doing that right now. That you would be changing them. To know you, to believe in you. Lord, I thank you that we have a story to tell. I pray that you would help us to share your love and who you are and introduce you to those around us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.